Welcome to Bugs and Beards, the podcast home for everything fly fishing and fly tying. Kick back as we sit down and talk with some of your favorite fly tires and fishermen while we discuss with them the tips and techniques they've learned on the river and behind the vice so that you can use those lessons learned to make your time more effective. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Bugs and Beard podcast. This time we got a really cool guest that's uh, near and dear to my heart one because we're going to discuss a couple topics and uh, that I deal with a lot, which is YouTube. And, um, and then another reason is because the two guests that I have on are sons of one of my teachers from high school. And these two don't know it, but I, I, I kind of wanted to save it for the podcast to say it. Um, you always have that one teacher that impacted your life. And for me, that was you guys as dad. And I'm, I bet you might hear that and might've heard it before. I'm sure you probably have because he's a great guy, but he was that one guy for me that kind of challenged me in the outdoors. And like my dad raised me to be a hunter and fisherman, your dad, you know, and encouraged me to dig deeper into the outdoor world, which made me a better hunter and fisherman. And, uh, I don't know if he told you, but, Back in early 90s, I graduated in 93, so what, before you guys were born, probably? I was not, end of 92, so right about that time. <laughs> okay. When I was there, it would have been the graduating class of 90 and 91, your dad and I started a fly tying club at the high school. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We, I didn't know that, that you were one of the ones who had started that with him. We knew that he was an advisor to that, Yep. but it, that's really cool to hear. Yeah, it was uh, pretty much him and I, and there was a couple other ones, but I was the main one, the main driving force student wise that knew how to tie flies everybody else just kind of wanted to do it but activity periods we get down so yeah that, that is, is that awesome. is awesome to hear and it's also you know yeah. really awesome to hear some of that stuff about our dad he's gonna love to hear uh, that too. yeah he is yeah. he's gonna have to listen to the podcast i know <laughs> one of the things you know growing up that he he really taught us was a lot of the more scientific part of the outdoors is biology teacher so identifying yep. trees you know looking into things a little bit deeper mm -hmm. uh, it, it makes your time in the field so much more valuable agreed you're so much more attached to being in the woods and stuff and that was the thing that i can't that was what i taken from your dad's class and stuff like that he i i know he made us learn some insects and some birds and so when you learn that stuff you know you learn what they like for instance, you learn what a certain bird likes to do at a certain time of the year. and so It just gives you things to look for while you're in the woods so you're totally. not just sitting in a tree waiting for a deer to walk by or something like that. But Yeah, and I think that's something that uh, he you know, passed on to Doug and I. It's like having an appreciation for those little things right. makes everything just so... Like with fly fishing, having an appreciation for the, that aquatic insect life and uh, the, the stream... Uh, what's around the stream it does just make it all the more enjoyable you yeah know? i i actually it kind of makes me think i have two guys that i guide from long island often and uh, they always make fun of me like oh, i didn't know when i hired a fishing guy i was getting a botanist an entomologist <laughs> and and that was one of the things your dad did i do remember he made us learn wildflowers Ooh. made us learn some wildflowers and I'll still be out in the woods and looking for Jack in the pulpit or <laughs> if you look real closely in our videos a lot of the time we'll do some some b-roll clips of wildflowers so that'll be <laughs> something for you guys to look for here <laughs> I'll do that then but anyway our guests today are the Roberts brothers uh Dan and Doug and um they have a YouTube channel which is a really popular YouTube channel and it's fishing geared outdoor geared and, um, you know, I'm a tire. Most of mine are tying videos, and there's a reason for that because fly tying videos are easy to make. You guys get on the stream, get in the woods, and those are the videos that take a lot of work and energy to make. And that's what we're going to discuss today. So tell us a little bit about your channel. Thanks for the introduction there, Sean. Uh, and also, you know, the shout out for the for our dad. Yeah. You know, he'll really appreciate that. But uh, I guess to start, I'll give a little bit of background on how we started our channel uh growing up dan and i we were always at our camp up on kettle creek i uh, learned how to fly fish from a pretty young age and that was kind of kind of our our main fishing pursuit you know trout fishing with either conventional tackle uh fly tackle and as we got a little bit older i think we kind of got into bass fishing a little bit and our dad being a fly fisherman we kind of had to 
to learn how to bass fish from YouTube. And one day, I think we just kind of said to each other, hey, we should make a YouTube channel. And uh, it started out as bass fishing. And kind of as, as we had less free time, we just kind of uh, went back to what we enjoyed most because you just have to make the most of your time. So that, that was fly fishing. And uh, right now, it's probably been about eight, nine years we've had our channel. And uh, it's called Backyard Angling, by the way. I don't know if we mentioned that. I don't think we did yet. But uh, really, I, th- I would say our main videos are just kind of our, our outings, our fly fishing outings all throughout the state of Pennsylvania, probably a lot of it up on Kettle Creek and the tributaries up there, that being what we consider our home water. Uh, we live not too far from, from the, the studio here, probably about a half hour drive up the mountain there. Uh, we also do a lot of a lot of videos in the central PA limestone region. And recently, over the last two or three years, we've been going out to Montana. Those have been some very popular videos. I uh, do a little bit of gear reviews, things like that. Dan, do you have anything to, to kind of expand on a little bit as far as yeah. channel info goes? I mean, uh, and yeah, it's just kind of evolved over the years. Like Doug mentioned, um, we started, I still vividly remember making the first video uh, fishing a soft plastic jerk bait, uh, bass fishing on a local pond near our house. Um, and as our, like Doug says, our time has become, you know, we focus more on fly fishing, not that we don't want to keep bass fishing, but, uh, it's just, you got to pick your priorities. Um, and with that, the channel has evolved and it's just something that's been super satisfying and, uh, really enjoyable to try and kind of build a community, uh, on YouTube through, you know, social media and everything. Um, and just watch the channel grow over the year. It's been super satisfying. Yeah. I'd say that's one of the nicest things about, uh, YouTube and, and really social media for that matter. And you guys can attest to this, that, I mean, the fly fishing community, I, even more specifically, the Pennsylvania fly fishing community, it's a small community. It's made up of some great people and, it kind of allows people to come together and meet each other, share some ideas. And I think that's kind of one of the, one of the things with our YouTube channel that we just, we want to create some entertaining content. I, uh, you know, see if people can maybe even take something away and learn something from it too. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that that's a common thread in our podcast channel. If you listen to it, that how the fly fishing community is just, it's a tight community and it's a welcoming community anymore. Like it used to be, you know, the gentleman's club and now it's, you know, it's across all ages and stuff like that for the most part. And it's been a fun thing to be a part of just like you guys. Like I love being a part of the industry. I wouldn't want to be in any other industry, but, um, the YouTube is too, is also like, you get a lot of the Facebook, the the warriors on Facebook, you know, it's so easy to write a bad post about something or something like that. And you don't get that as much on YouTube, I don't think. No. You know, I'll get a couple comments here and there. You just ignore them. But, yeah. But for the most part, YouTube's a pretty, pretty welcoming, uh, you know, not... I don't know how to say it, but it's it's a pretty nice community. It's a, it's a good place to share and stuff like that. So I, I've really enjoyed YouTube being on it. I, you guys have been on it a little bit longer than me, but it, it's kind of neat. We're going to dive into some of the things, and um, that's kind of what we're going to gear this podcast towards is um, you guys and how you do your YouTube videos and why they're successful and stuff like that. Uh, Pat, you got any questions for him? Or? No, not yet. All right, you can chime in whenever you're ready, but uh, we'll get into it. How do you? How did you? You said you got into it with bass fishing, and uh, but how do you? I'll tell. For me, I, like I said earlier in the video, it's easy to sit behind a camera at a desk and shoot a video of yourself that way. It's very hard for me to go out on the stream because a lot of the times I'm out fishing by myself and self videoing is hard to do. You don't get to move and see stuff like that, so. How do you pick who videos? <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, with with Dan and I, we're extremely blessed uh, to where we have each other. We've always had the same hobbies, and that has has kind of been something that 
has been extremely beneficial with having a YouTube channel and having one guy film the other. So I think generally, because Dan is, Dan's a fantastic fisherman. I'm going to talk him up here (laughs) Uh, and he can catch fish. Me, not quite so much. I mean, I, I can, you know, throw a throw a dry fly real well, but the nymph thing, it just doesn't come to me as much. So generally, I'm behind the camera a little bit more. Uh, I also, I think, I really enjoy enjoy the filming. Uh, so I would say that I'm, that it kind of... And you're, know, I feel like you're better with the technical stuff, like with the filming, kind of. Like you have a better eye, I feel like. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things too, that, uh, whoever, if we, we both carry, we both carry a camera. So it's super easy for us to both be fishing, kind of doing our own thing. Somebody gets a fish, starts a fish. Uh, the other person will stop what they're doing, go down and film, uh, you know, film each other. Mm -hmm. So I, I really think having two people, um, you know, if you do have an intention of starting a YouTube channel, uh, kind of having a partner to start it, I think is super important. And like Doug said, we're super blessed with that, that we have each other to kind of do this whole YouTube thing. Um, so yeah, definitely the whole partner dynamic makes a huge difference. Yeah. So. I think that's some really good advice and to kind of expand on that a little bit, uh, here in Pennsylvania, we're blessed with so many great streams, big streams and little streams, but really i would say as far as filming goes and taking pictures if you have that partner dynamic going small streams are much easier oh, to definitely. make so true most definitely and if you find someone that you fish with very well and you kind of hole hop you know a lot of the time we'll give i'll give dan a hole right he'll fish it through you know it maybe produces a fish or two i'm on the camera during that and then we jump up to the next hole where I'll fish it through and Dan's on the camera. So it works out really well, especially for the small streams. You can do it with one camera as long as you have two guys. Right. Uh, the big streams, I think that makes it a little bit better to, you know, each guy carry a camera. And it, it can be hard to kind of, yeah, on the big streams, whenever you're fishing in a fast moving current and you already waited out to try and hit a nice run or a nice riffle and, somebody else had and you look up and i look up and doug has a fish on i'm like well this one's not going to be on the video because i'm not backing out of here now yeah but uh but yeah definitely uh the small streams are a lot easier for us to shoot guaranteed yeah i i would rather well i would rather fish on the small stream to start but i would much rather video on the small stream and it the thing I hate with fly, with videoing my fly fishing, guaranteed, if I fish for five minutes on, and turn the camera on for five minutes, I catch one at 515. <laughs> That's it's a guarantee happens. as soon as that camera goes off, I'm catching a fish. I hate that part of it. That's so frustrating. That, that seems so to happen true. a lot. That's for sure. And, and you know, you kind of touched on shooting a film or a, a video by yourself. That is so hard. It and, is. And quality-wise, yeah, it's so hard. And, and yep. uh, you know, like late, the past couple of weeks I've been up at school and uh, I've been trying to kind of piece together like a fall fishing video. And I've been trying to film it by myself. And I, I was just talking to Doug the other day and I said like, I don't know how this video is going to turn out because I don't have, we're not shooting together. Um, so it's going to, you know, that's going to be really take away from the quality of the video. Right. So, yeah, when you self film, actually my, well, two videos ago for me, I, I did a October drag dropper with an October caddis mm-hmm. and we were actually trying to film. We got a new product in at the shop. We went out and tried to catch a fish on it. Didn't catch a fish on it. It's just not the right time of year for it, but we thought it should have. But anyway, I said to my dad, I said, I know I can catch all those fish down there. I just can't catch what I want to catch the way I want to catch it for the film. And, uh, so finally I said, that's it. Shut the camera off. And I grabbed my camera, went down, set my camera up, self-filmed myself. My dad, we were running two cameras. One, like I was self-filming and my dad was running the other one to get some different angles. And, uh, I just self-filmed and the first, the first shot of that, me catching those two fish, that was self-filming. And it's nice 
but there's no zoom in or anything yeah. like that. That's the bad part about it. So you lose that quality aspect in the self filming mm-hmm. that I know what you mean. And I, uh, for us, that, that two camera method, I think really, Big. really helps with yeah. the quality, but there's still, there are still ways to make some, some really great self filmed videos. I uh, kind of three different methods come to mind for me. Uh, the first one, the GoPro method. And a lot of the time, the quality for these is not great. You know, a lot of people get sick of that chest view or head view. Yeah. But there are ways that you can still make that video a good video. If you just have a GoPro and a cell phone where you can get some GoPro shots, you know, do some some good narration that's entertaining for viewers where you're telling a story or you are kind of, you know, what you're doing and things like that, or you are explaining your technique it can work then you're using your cell phone to maybe get another angle of yourself that can be a very effective method uh, a channel comes to mind for me that uh, makes some fantastic videos and that's all he uses is a a, uh, a gopro and a cell phone that's woolly bugged mike ivanko yeah, uh, great, great guy yeah. good channel yeah uh, and that's that's what he uses i uh, second method that that kind of comes to mind for self-filming and sean it sounds like you kind of do this a little bit where you have a tripod yep and you set that up on the bank yep that's the way i do it and there's i mean i've seen some some very good videos doing that we've done that uh for some of our videos and it creates a great angle to where you can get hook sets you can you know see all of the action happening yeah it's great but be for the main reason, I'll tell you, the main reason I don't like the GoPro is you don't get that stable view. I get motion yeah. sickness. Mm-hmm. So for me, yeah. that's not a good video to watch. Uh-huh. But when I shoot, when I self-film, I'll set the tripod up, hop in the creek, turn around. You know, I got the the flip view on my phones. I mean, on the camera so I can see the shot I got. Mm-hmm. And uh, just start fishing whenever I catch one, move in, do whatever I have to do. But, um, you know, it's, it's, easy. it's not easy to do. It's hard it's hard to, to make it happen on film yes, is the exactly. hard part. But, you know, then you can edit the walking out in the stream. You can edit all that kind of stuff out to make it a good video. So it's not hard to do. I, I'm with you on the second view, on your second way of doing it, you know. But it's better if you have somebody else there filming with you. A- absolutely. Definitely. And uh, I know with the with the tripod method, I think that you're you're very right when – the fish don't want to grow operate when the camera's yeah, on. Right. I, I know someone who he does that method for his channel, another great channel, Hardway Outdoors, Dan Collins. Okay. Yep. That guy can catch some fish. Until and the camera's on. <laughs> even when the camera's on. Oh, yeah. That's the yeah. thing. So He's a good fisherman. Yeah, he is. What, yeah. what did he have, 100 days in a row with a fish? Yeah. yeah. That's unreal. Yeah. Nice fish, too, on a lot of those I'm, days. <laughs> he doesn't have a wife. That's how he did that. <laughs> he does have Disclaimer. <laughs> I wouldn't have a wife if I got a hundred <laughs> fish in a row. Exactly. Exactly. So, but uh, what's your, did you get to your third method? Oh, then the third method, uh, kind of what Dan and I do, where you have, you get a buddy. And even if you just have one camera and you, you can kind of film each other. And I think that that can be a method that, you get some really high quality videos from that have a lot of action because someone can just whip out the camera and they can film you know anything they want without having to go back to the bank or without having maybe some some shakiness from you know trying to film it yourself on a GoPro. Uh, this is what we do. Uh, Allegheny Natives, another really great YouTube channel on PA. Yep, yep. Uh, Lively Legs Fly Fishing. They're another you know really good. Uh, Pennsylvania fly fishing channel uh, where you know a group of guys go out and they're able to film each other and can produce some really high quality videos and uh, something I kind of want to add it there Doug uh, add in is that um, you know all three of these things like if you are shooting a video uh, it, it, it you're not going to be able to fish as hard as you normally would that's just kind of like a little bit of a sacrifice mm-hmm. but that third method uh, you know where you're working with somebody and that's the uh the best method as far as sacrificing the least amount of being able to fish hard uh and still you know shoot that video i i I will agree with you because you kind of 
you spread yourself thin when you're doing the self filming. Definitely, you, your mind's on the film. Your mind's not on the fishing. You're 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 not picking up that oh, really yeah. sensitive bite sometimes, uh, which makes it harder. So uh, yeah, I'll agree with you on that one. Yeah, I think that's a great. And point. when you're trying to cover water, you know, and yep. you and you got a tripod behind you, you got to walk back, grab your tripod, yeah. keep going upstream, you know. Keep your racing video because you can't get the one in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> it's doable, but not easy. Yes. But uh, is there any other tips you have, like, other other than, you know, having a buddy, tripods, that kind of stuff? So I uh, kind of all these things in mind, just some of the things that I, I mean, I'm a, a pretty organized person. I like to write things down. I have a little list here in front of me. Very of organized. You can't see. <laughs> uh, but some of the things that I, we kind of had in mind for you to take your video to the next level because when it comes to YouTube, you can put in as much as you want. You can you can make the video as high a quality as you want. Uh, but then, you know, sometimes you might have to put in a little bit extra money towards something, extra time, things like that. Uh, it's a great way to just kind of preserve some memories. Like on Montana trips, it's, you know, we still to this day go back and watch those. But uh, to kind of get into some of the technical stuff, uh, obviously a phone with today's day and age, they, are, they shoot some really high quality video. Right. But uh, Dan and I, we each have a Sony A6000 which is a mirrorless camera, which is much smaller than, than your typical DSLR. So it's really nice to carry on the stream with you. And one of the things that, I mean, we'll shoot in so many different settings, but, uh, and it depends on the situation. When we're just doing a talking clip where we're taking video of uh, one of us maybe explaining a technique or just kind of showing off a fish or something like that, we'll shoot an aperture priority. Uh, and for, for, I know a lot of you people who, who would maybe be into the technical part of this, you'd understand what I'm saying by aperture priority. Uh, kind of three elements of exposure, your aperture, your ISO, and shutter speed. I don't think we have enough time to go into all of that stuff. <laughs> but uh, if you're interested, you can look that up and get some really valuable information because knowing how to use your camera and what what situations you should be shooting uh, shooting the, the scene in, that can really help. I would say one piece of advice that I have uh, as far as settings go while you're fishing is shutter priority. Uh, when you're shooting in shutter priority, you can really slow down your clip and you can capture some great slow motion where your line speed can be fast enough that you're going to capture all of that. You're going to capture some of the spraying water, uh, some jumping fish, and you can slow down these clips and get some really cool video from it. Definitely. So uh, to dumb it down, you're talking about frames per second? Yeah. Your frames per second, correct. Yeah. So that would be, uh, I know I like to shoot uh, 1 over 800. Okay. Uh, for some of those who would be really interested in it. And the same goes for photography, too. If you have enough light, put your shutter speed on 1 over 800, and you can get some awesome pictures with some water dripping off fish for your grip and grins. Mm. If you're doing some casting pictures, just freeze that line in midair. Yeah. Create some really cool shots. Yeah, so I really think, yeah, just getting to know your camera is something that really... Uh, you know, Doug and I got these. We both have the same camera, which is nice because we were able to uh, kind of help each other learn the camera in and out. And like Doug said, we use aperture priority and we use shutter priority. Uh, shutter priority to more so film scenery and things of that nature. Aperture to film when we're talking. Um, so, yeah, it took us a while to kind of learn how to, to use it um, applicable towards uh, videography. Um, and something else, this is a, a slight digression, but something that I think is super hard to do is how do you store a camera when you're fishing, you know, whenever you're waiting, if it's raining, yep. uh, and without that thing going into the drink. Um, and that's something that Doug and I have really messed around a lot with. Cause 
again, it's like you can store a camera in a specific way that makes it hard to access, but it's going to be super protected. You know, like you can um, put it in a waterproof backpack or something like that. Um, but for Doug and I, uh, Doug uses what kind of pack? The fish pond. Yeah, I have a fish pond Thunderhead hip pack that uh, is a waterproof hip pack. But then uh, a much more affordable option. And I think that's a great point, Dan, because so many people want to take a camera on the water. Maybe not to film video like we're doing, but even just to take a picture of that trophy fish. The best camera that you can have in any situation is the one that you have on you. Right. And just having a camera on you that you know is protected, that's invaluable. And I would say probably our best method, one that you can get to quickly and that stays protected. It's actually a pack called Seal Line, and they just make waterproof bags. It's a little hip pack, kind of a fanny pack, roll top type thing, and uh, it's really great. I think they run about 35 40 bucks, and, you know, you're protecting an investment, you know, an $800 investment, you know, for a camera. Right. More in some people's situations, less in others, but even just to protect a, you know, $100 piece of gear, that's that's a, a pretty valuable thing. And yeah, no doubt. To protect your camera on the stream, I think is huge. I'm honestly amazed we haven't lost a camera yet, Doug. <laughs> I am too. I haven't lost one. My dad has lost one. We, it, we lost it yeah. at Burt. Yeah, one year yeah. we lost one up at the Dirty Burt. Uh, one of his DSLRs fell in the creek. Yeah, that so, hurts. Yeah, it was pretty bad, but we got a new one. So. I know some people who have lost some cameras, yeah. even even getting it on video, where that tripod just falls right over. Yeah. I'm yeah, well, say any names. I've dropped a phone or two. <laughs> I've never dropped them. Yeah. Neither have I. Well, I, Lock on wood. the last one I actually didn't drop. I had it in my chest pack. I wasn't paying attention. My chest pack was open. Reached over to get a fish, and my chest pack filled up with water with my camera in it. <laughs> with my cell phone. <laughs> so that didn't work. But I hope that never happens that, for us. That was my reason for getting my iPhone with portrait mode, so we can take the really good. Oh, that takes beautiful pictures. Yeah, that's that would be my suggestion if you know if you're looking into pictures and stuff like that, picture quality and cell phones, try to find one with a portrait mode because nothing Ooh. takes a better picture than that portrait mode. If you don't know what it is, it's two lenses on your camera. One focuses in on you and the other one blurs out your background. Yeah. So it's kind of a, it almost takes out the spot burn for you. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so for yeah. a lot of those people who are really into this, that, uh, I, I mean, that is a great option that the way that the iPhone can do that. Uh, But if you're using just a regular camera and you have a lens that has the capability to do this, just drop your aperture down real far, Mm. uh, which is basically that's going to open up your lens. It's going to allow the maximum amount of light in there and it's going to provide an awesome depth of field where you can put your subject in great focus and then you can really blur out that background. Definitely. Now, another thing that since we're sitting here talking and talking about video, another thing that a lot of guys don't put if they're just trying to be the weekend warrior on their YouTube channel and stuff like that and don't put a lot of time and thought into is sound. Yes. That's a big thing. And and sound is an easy one to overcome. I mean, yeah. in in the aspect of the whole thing, sound is one of the cheaper ones. Like it is. we're sitting here recording on my Zoom H1, which is the bottom line of recorders. But you hear the quality that's coming out of it on our podcast here. And it's all going through my Zoom H1. That's a $100 thing. I get a lapel mic and then override that on my video editing. So, And actually, to expand upon that a little bit, we also we have a Zoom H1 uh, that will occasionally break out when uh, we have one person who is on the camera. The other guy mics up. And maybe, maybe he's the one who's going to go out and he's going to explain how to do a specific technique where the camera can be far enough away where it might not generally pick up that audio. Right. But we put that mic on and you get some really crisp audio. And then explaining a technique, you have the visual part with the camera, which is very important. I'm a visual learner. And then you have the audio with the mic and then you just overlay that onto your clip and it produces, I would say, you know, some of our best clips. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Audio is kind of overlooked, but very important. It is. Yeah. It it really is. And uh, I think, too, that's another method. Like if you're doing the tripod method, you know, get a mic. Yeah. That really will take it to the next level. 
you know, I kind of have built my studio here to control the sound and I, I just use my camera mic to, for my YouTube videos when I'm mm-hmm. shooting, when I'm shooting the tying videos, when I'm on the stream, you know, I'm mic'd up with my H, Zoom H1, but I, even still, I should still be mic'd up to my camera. I should still be running an external mic through my camera for even better quality. So it, it just makes adds one more element to the editing yeah, process. It does. Type of thing. It you got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah. And honestly, that, you know, the whole videography thing, Doug deserves a huge shout out for the editing because honestly, all I do is just go out and have fun and fish and make videos and make some posts <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. And Doug puts the hours and hours in to the editing. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, if, if you aren't too familiar with videography, uh, it's easy to kind of understate or kind of overlook how hard it is to edit a video well. And Doug does such a good job with that. Um, and I'm glad he does because I don't want to do it. <laughs> I, I would say that uh, for every 10 minutes of video we have, that's about five hours of editing. <laughs> I would agree with that. Yep. So so it really, wow. uh, it is a huge time commitment yeah. But whenever you sit down and you do it, it, I mean, it pays huge dividends. Uh, what what uh, software do you use? I'm running uh, Sony Vegas 15. Okay, I, I use Adobe Premiere Elements, which is the consumer Adobe yeah. version. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I would say for when I shoot a, I try to keep my videos between eight and fifteen minutes long, and usually they end up somewhere right around twelve minutes long. And uh, for me to shoot, edit, upload everything, I have at least five to six hours in a, in a 12 minute video. And I think that's one thing that, you know, people think everything's such an instant world we live in right now. You, you, you turn on your phone, you press record on your phone and then you upload it to Facebook. And that's what people think. Well, behind the scenes to do, to do it and do it right. You know, I'm in six hours five to six hours for 12 minutes Mm -hmm. yeah it it's a huge time commitment and and that's the thing with you know for any advice to someone who wants to start a youtube channel i mean it it is hard work it took us eight years to get where we are now we've had you know time working for us here but uh you know a lot of people they'll get in and they'll say it's saturated uh which i mean there's a lot of content out there but if you get in and you put the time in and you make the highest quality video you can do, you will grow, you will grow quickly. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to point out an example, give them a shout out, is Allegheny Natives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They've only been around two years and they have, I think, over 5,000 subscribers. Their videos are just beautiful. They Man, are. Absolutely beautiful. So good with a camera. Yeah, and that's one thing too. Like you'll see, uh, if you look just as... I'm more familiar with the tires rather than the fishermen. And uh, Tim Flagler, Tight Lines Videos. Oh, boy. Yeah. Tim is just incredible. Awesome. I, I think his job is doing video editing yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, Tim just has everything right. And that's why his exploded over other people's. You know, I started out not knowing, I, you know, I had the learning curve. I didn't know any of that stuff. I started out five, six years ago with my cousin helping me. We would shoot it in my kitchen. He would go home and edit it, send it to me. I would upload it. And like, we were both learning the ins and outs of it. And, uh, he went on to do other stuff and with his podcast channel is, uh, Rutten River Pursuits. Great show. And that kind of stuff. We all learn from it, but those videos are like so crude and stuff compared to the way we do things now. And one other thing I'll add, um, you know, I get around a lot of the guys at the tie in shows and stuff like that. So I'm around Flagler and Camesa and them guys. And, um, Tim and I were at Camesa. We're having a discussion one time and like, I was looking at you guys' channel the other night to, to see things that I wanted to pick out in the podcast and stuff. And one thing I noticed, like I have, we have almost the same amount of views on YouTube, mm-hmm. but I have three times as many videos as you. I have almost 300 videos. You have like 90 videos and we have the same amount of views. And there's one thing that Tim pointed out to me one time, and that was entertainment sells. 
education doesn't. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you know, and that's that's one thing. So I have, yeah, I have this list here in front of me, and one of the things that that I have on here, there's there's two things, creativity yeah. and a good story. And if you have those two things, you can have an extremely successful yep. video. Yeah, and if you can find a way to entertain and educate, it's yeah. it's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's hard, especially in now I can say this because the people listening to the podcast probably aren't the same people that's listening to, to watching my YouTube channel. There's a different uh demographic. Demographic, that's the yeah. word I'm looking for. Yeah. My demographic on my YouTube channel is like 50 and over. Now the podcast channel, that's going to be 25 to 35 probably. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, my demographics, they don't want, they're there to see me tie a fly, learn how to tie a fly, and that's what they want to learn. They're not there to see me jumping off the side of a boat. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. I got the fish with Monster Mike. I don't know if you ever watched Monster Mike. Uh, little short colored guy down in Miami that fishes for peacock bass. Oh, okay. down in Florida. Right? Yeah, down in yeah, Florida. Yeah. He has he he puts a YouTube video out in a week. It's got a million views. Yep. He has a guy he pays. He doesn't have a license. He doesn't have a driver's mm-hmm. license. He has somebody drive him around and video him all day long. Wow. Y- you know he makes buku bucks at this. Yeah. That's his full time job. He's an entertainer. Yes. Like I said to him, I said I said what am I? We were talking while we were fishing because I'm. You know, anytime I get around like Flagler and Camesa, and in this case, Monster Mike, I'm always like, you know, what am I doing wrong on my channel? What can I do to make it better and stuff yeah. like that? And he said, it's all it's all about the entertainment. He said, I'm always, my mind is constantly geared on what I can do to make my channel better. He's And when we were talking, and shortly after it, he did it, and he was right. He we were talking, and I said, well, like, what do you, what do, you do? And he's like, I'm just always thinking about something. Like, Right now, the thought in my head, I want to get 100 Coke bottles and a roll of duct tape, tape them all together and make a raft, and I want to catch a peacock bass off of it. I guarantee if I do it, and he's just like bouncing off the seat, you know. We're, the funny thing was, we're in a Dodge Dakota pickup truck. There's there's three of us in the back row and two in the front row, and he's sitting on the console, and he ain't bending his head over. That's how short he is, Okay. And he's just sitting there bouncing, telling us his story. He's like, I'm going to take 100 Coke bottles, tape them all together, jump on it, and catch a peacock bass on it in the canals. I guarantee you, hundred or a million, video, million views in a week. Sure enough, he went out and did it just wow. because that's the way he he is. Everybody likes that dynamicness of him and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, so I can't bring that into my video. That's not what my viewers want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, even, even kind of for us doing just – fly fishing outings i would say probably neither of us have that that kind of a personality and the thing that i would say sells our videos and the people who would have more of a conservative personality uh that would you know want to get into this you know telling a story that is going to be entertaining we do we recently did a backpacking trip where we love to backpack and we we filmed almost just as much backpacking as we did fishing but it was just a progression and it was just we filmed almost all the aspects of this trip and it was an adventure and people loved this video yeah. because it was like they were coming along with us uh, with our yeah. glacier trip. That was a family trip that we did. Uh, our film is fly fishing geared, but uh, you know, showing some of the driving clips, entering the park, uh, some of the beautiful scenery to really make, make the people feel like they're along for the ride. Yeah, part with of the show. You. And that I think is really how you can take your videos to the next level if you're doing something like we're doing. And that's the thing. Every channel is different. They all have, have their areas that they're, uh, they're maybe trying to hit their their niche. Yeah. That's that's a great way to put it. Everyone has their niche. And we've found for like the, you know, our particular niche with these fly fishing outings, that's a great way to make a video. Definitely. Yeah, and like I would say, like our niche, I would kind of ca- describe our channel as like a, like fly fishing adventure type channel. That yeah, and uh, like Doug said, with the story, having a story is so important. And I think over the last probably year and a half of making our videos, um, our approach has kind of changed. That we're not like, all right, we're going up to camp this weekend. Uh, let's just take the camera and shoot a video. 
uh, we ask ourselves, we're like, all right, we're going to make a video this weekend. What can our story be? Um, it's not just guys out fishing. It's, uh, I don't know. Think it's of just it. adventuring up into the Hammersley Wild area yeah, or you yeah. know, things like that. Or definitely we did a catch and cook type thing. And that was a fun, that was a fun time. And, and even like, I thought the storyline of that video we did before our cousin's wedding, uh, I just think it worked, you know, like it was, uh, Something it, it sounds relate to, yeah, it sounds kind of, uh, you know, kind of like a weird thing and yeah, kind of cheesy, honestly, but it was like, uh, it just helped us create a story kind of, um, yeah. So I think that one was, you know, just not having a lot of time and just getting fly fishing in, you know, an outing in, and just, we had like a couple hours, mm -hmm. we were going to a wedding. We just, you know, went out, we shot a video and yeah, yeah some people can relate to definitely. And actually, speaking of kind of these storylines, I'm going to give a, a sneak preview to our next video, <laughs> uh, which is uh, this summer. Dan spent a little under a month in Montana with my cousin Nick, who lives out there. And they did a backpacking and fly fishing trip into the Bald Marshall Wilderness, which is uh, probably the most, I, I would say, wild place in the lower 48. Hmm. Uh, a lot of fish, a lot of grizzlies. Yeah, <laughs> and the oh first gosh. evening, the first evening they had a little bit of a scare with a bear. Ooh, it uh, wasn't good. Where they they were in the tent, <laughs> and they heard something outside over near where their bear bag was, and uh, they had a gun and some bear spray just in case. Yeah. but they just three a.m. our first night, and, and yeah, another cool thing about that the Bob Marshall Wilderness in Montana. It has one of the densest grizzly bear populations in the lower 48. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, we go into this, and we went prepared, as prepared as we could anyway. Uh, Nick has a, a 44, and uh, I had a can of bear spray. I would rather have the 44, personally. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, we're up there. Like Doug said, it's 3 a.m., and uh, the bear bag is hung kind of about 30 yards from our campsite. Probably should have been more. And we hear Nick, Nick taps me on the shoulder. He's like, Dan, wake up. And I'm like, what? And he goes, I think I hear something out there. <laughs> and, uh, I hear it. I hear, you know, like when you're in a tree stand, you hear something move. Um, and you can sometimes kind of tell if it's a squirrel or you can tell if it's something a little heavier. I just hear something crack that sounds big. And I just immediately, my heart goes from, you know, 60 to, to 150. And I just say to Nick, get the gun. <laughs> so, so he grabs the gun and long story short, the, it, we started yelling and we just kind of heard something lumber off, but it was a scare. Yeah. So that's the there preview. You know. I know we got a little off topic, but that's the preview <laughs> for next video. So, <laughs> but good storyline for, sure. for that one, for sure. Great storyline in that video. Yeah, so. that, that's something that I never really thought about in my videos because mine's more, you know, educational rather than entertainment. And, mm -hmm. and I never really thought about that. And while you were talking about that, a lot of times when I'm sitting here tying, I got a smart TV, so I don't have cable out here. I'm just watching YouTube or Pluto TV or something like that. And uh, right now, my, my mind's in Africa gear. I'm going to Africa in the spring on a hunt. So I'm YouTube and Africa hunts all day long. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite ones to watch is John X Safari. And it's just an African hunting show. And you just watch them shoot animals over and over again. But what you don't pick up, or what I never picked up before, it's probably the reason I like it. It's their clients. And they're bringing like a family in. And they're telling, you know, hey, we've been talking about doing this hunt for three years now. It finally came to fruition. You're here. You're on the ground. And 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 so there's a story background to it and mm -hmm. and i never really picked that up and that's probably the reason why i like that channel more than other ones in the hunting oh industry. absolutely it definitely helps to to make something entertaining like you definitely. said yeah. entertainment sells but it does at the same time i know education on youtube i i'm a i said there's earlier, a, a visual learner that, yeah sure first place i go I get, even before Google, I oh, go to YouTube. Oh, yeah. You know, my water heater broke. I'm on YouTube. I fixed the water heater with me. Exactly. With YouTube. That's, I fixed a pile of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Lawnmowers. I mean, you name it. Changing brakes on the car. Yeah. Yeah. It is the best social media. If you it even, is. I, I guess it's social media. Here's a, an interesting thing. 
uh, and this is why you know so many YouTube people do get sponsors. The I mean Google owns YouTube, but uh, they say the biggest search engine is Google. The second biggest is YouTube. Wow. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think one thing you just hit on it there, people getting sponsors. I think that's one of the things that has kind of diminished the market because mm-hmm, people are mm-hmm. just out there trying to be on a pro staff, that kind of stuff. And, you know, some people are out there just because of their looks or something like that. And mm-hmm. it, it's kind of taken away of the guys who are out there trying to educate over. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the downfalls, I guess, of YouTube. But yeah, don't, don't do it for that. That's the, the advice that I have for, for listeners do it. Cause you'll love it. Yeah. We, we love it. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a hobby that Dan and I share. Uh, I mean, if that's that, it's not a good goal to have going into. Yeah, it. you're yeah. you're not gonna get rich on YouTube unless you open up baby doll boxes and talk yeah, about the baby doll for fifteen. Yep. Years. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. If we yeah. would have known that, yeah. you know, five years ago, we yeah. we wouldn't be sitting here today. <laughs> but you know, another thing, YouTube is a great marketing tool. We've totally built our business on YouTube. Yeah, and and it's a great marketing tool. So. For me, I'm not getting rich on a YouTube check, mm-hmm. but I am, you know, reaping the benefits of YouTube absolutely in other ways. Yeah, two things here actually. So you mentioned, you know, getting paid. You can monetize your videos. Right. We don't make a lot, but everything we do make, we put right back into the channel. Yep. yep. Because it's our hobby, and it just kind of, you know, helps to create better content. Uh, that was the first thing. Second thing, uh just a question for you, Sean, how did you, you you know, we went over how we started our channel. How did you guys start, start your channel? Because that is really what kind of, uh, almost gave birth to the fly shop and this podcast and everything. It started there, at least from from what I know. Exactly. That's actually how it got started. We, um, you know, the whole feather craze went on in, in the fly fishing industry. My dad was a commercial tire, so he had access to whiting hackle. We had saddles. My dad's also a part-time hoarder, we'll call him. (laughs) And uh, he likes to hoard. At the time, he hoarded a lot of saddles. And the feather craze went off, and I said, Dad, we need to try selling these on eBay. So we sold a couple, made some good money. Dad reinvested it back into other material. We started selling stuff. And, you know, I had a taxidermy shop. I dabbled with web building and that kind of stuff and social media with with the taxidermy and um i said to dad i said to be successful on the internet you have to have internet presence and internet presence you get it however you can and i said let's try doing some youtube videos and my cousin who moved away and did some different things and uh come back close to the area he's down in elizabeth town my cousin will will miser and uh he was dabbling in photography and video editing and that kind of stuff. And just out of the blue one day, he reached out to me or I reached out to him. And, and like we hadn't talked to each other for a couple of years. And he said he was doing this. And I said, well, we're trying to start a fly shop up here. And we want to get into YouTube. So let's get together and do something. So we got together and started making videos. And then as he started doing it. I was watching what he was doing and he was getting busier because him doing my thing was leading to him doing other things. And I, I said, I think I can handle this. So I took over my channel and, and that's how it all started. That's how we built the YouTube channel. And, you know, we had a rule of thumb that we still have today. If we don't carry the material in the shop, we don't put it on a video. So that's kind of just, you know, how everything in the shop sells. That's how we, I always, I'm not in the shop much because I work a part-time job and I do this. And like I said, one video takes me five, six hours of work. When I was working full-time, you know, I was working 40 hours a week. Then you add five or six hours per video on top of it. Now we're throwing in a podcast, which is another couple hours of editing, which feels like, and I got to say it, it feels like the most useless way to spend your time <laughs> editing a podcast <laughs> you're just sitting and listening you're not i'm so used to working a physical job all my life mm-hmm. editing a podcast is like 
from what I know editing videos. Yeah. Editing videos, at least you're watching something. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. You're just like sitting there looking off out the window. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, you know, so my end of the business, I always joke around with my parents is, my job is to get them in the door. It's your job to take care of them after they're here. <laughs> and uh, so that's why you don't see me in the shop as much because, you know, I got a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. But um, YouTube has been great to us, and it's a free marketplace. Yeah. That's the thing absolutely. you can't beat about that's it. That's true. But, man, there is so many things that we haven't touched on, haven't even come close to touching on with YouTube, you know. Um all the algorithms and all that kind yeah. of stuff that's just out there on. And, you know, I could probably be better at it, but that would be more time away from mm-hmm. family and the shop and everything else. But yeah, I, I have no complaints about YouTube. Love being on it. Love the people I've met from it. Like, but you, you know, you have to understand you're not just going to walk out on the stream, hook up a camera and people are going to watch your video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks yeah. work. Yeah. And it's like Doug said, something that we've really enjoyed and it's, it's kind of turned into a separate hobby. And I like to say with videography, photography, it's a hobby that complements all of our other hobbies, you know, like making the videos, like we take, you know, fly fishing and then just filming, it just adds to it, makes it even more enjoyable for us. So, well, that's the same way with me. I mean, I got into guiding because I love to teach, you know, Mm -hmm. I, you can't be a good guide if you don't love to teach. Agreed. And uh, and I actually joke around. I'm a better teacher than I am a fisherman. I'll go out. I, I just taught my squeege, my one buddy that we were fishing with the other day. Over the summer, I taught him how to dry dropper. By the end of the day, he was blowing me away fishing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that's the way it goes. I, I like to teach and be – I like to interact with people and stuff like that. So it's it's just – it's all my things rolled into one. With Definitely. YouTube, so it's a lot like you guys, I think. Mm-hmm. But got anything, Pat? Have you guys ever went out, filmed a video, or tried to film a video? Because Sean and I have done this. We went out and we were like, we're doing this video today. We went out, got set up, and started filming. No fish. No fish. No I, fish. Yeah, I, I wish I had a dollar. For every time we tried to film a video and it just completely fell through. <laughs> yeah, we, we drugged the camera out three times for one video and we still have not got that video. <laughs> and like the week before, I went there and I told Sean, I was like, I was out fishing these two flies. I was like, crushed them. 28 fish out of this hole. We went there four days later, yeah. four days, set up one fish. It was just... It was it was atrocious. Oh yeah. boy, that that's the other thing with making YouTube videos. I uh, in the fly fishing you know realm, if you're in that niche, uh, you don't control the fish. Yeah, you don't control the lighting. You don't control the weather. No, there no. are so many variables which make it very very difficult. Well, we was out one day, and you were set up on the creek with that in between. Well, we had lots of rain last year. Cricks just flowing down where Sean's at. You couldn't hear him. Then the wind started howling. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was kind of a wash. Yeah. But you guys do definitely do some good videos. We appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Like us, it kind of let us bugs and beards in at the shop. Yeah. Yep. We we try. We should be together by now, but. Yeah, lots of. Lots of other things in the back burner, and that throws us together once a week in there with everybody. And I think it's really cool too, like with uh, your fly shop. Just um, a lot of we talk about the community of fly fishermen in Pennsylvania. Uh, I feel like our area, kind of where we're from, uh, it's there's not as much of a community presence. And I think that fly shop is kind of a. I love that. I feel like it's a step towards having a little bit better of a community around this area, which is just super cool. Right. So. Yeah, we really didn't have. You know, if we wanted to, growing up, if I wanted to go to a fly shop, it mm-hmm. was Spruce Creek was the closest yeah. one. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you were even limited to what you found there, yeah. and yeah. then then you had to go. Well, and also we had a little store in Altoona that carried a handful of things and. So, you know, now you can hit the big box store for some equipment, but 
the big box store, you know, that's Chinese junk. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, so you, it's nice to have a fly shop in our area. You don't have to drive 60 miles to State College. And It is our favorite fly shop yeah. in the area, well, too. And you. I'm not just saying that because we're here. <laughs> I, I stopped in. Uh, this was uh, literally probably a week before my wedding. Uh, so maybe about a month ago. And I was just going to pick up a couple of things and, you know, go, you know, stop in and, and get out. Cause I had a lot to do. I think I stayed for an hour and spent like 40 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a guy that comes in all the time. Uh, Cal Trinkley He's a good friend of ours. You know, we met him through the fly shop. He started coming in. He says, my dad in another life was a car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> so if you come into the shop, well, well, that's the thing. Like internet sales are great. But internet sales, it's easy to say, hey, I need a spool of thread. You click the button, you got your spool of thread. Mm-hmm. You can walk in the door of a, flush, of a fly fishing shop and say, okay, I need a spool of thread. But wait a minute, I just walked past that. That looks cool. Exactly. <laughs> That's the dangerous thing. Oh, it's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I always say it's a $40 bill to walk through the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it depends who's there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you or I was there and we're just like... Start talking. Next thing you know, the guy just spent a hundred bucks. Yeah, oh, this yeah. is working. This is working. Yeah. And yeah, it's a lot of it's a. I, I'm so I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be in the industry and blessed to to have all the outlets that I do, like my YouTube, my podcast, and stuff, to be around people and Definitely. and it's just a great industry. But uh, before we get done here, Dan, you're part of the Fly Fishing Club in State College, and I want to touch yeah. on that a little bit because a lot of people don't know that was the first fly fishing class yep. offered as a college course. Yeah. Uh, honestly, uh, I'll be completely honest, and, t- and that was one of the biggest reasons I went to Penn State. <laughs> I would go just for that reason. <laughs> and you talk to a lot of kids up there, and they're kind of in the same boat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, the cool thing with the Fly Fishing Club um, is that – there's a lot of people that are love the sport and they've been fishing their whole lives. And then there's a lot of people that are new to the sport. They want to learn about fly fishing, um, and create a lifelong hobby. Uh, and there's really like, uh, no hierarchy. I feel like with the club, we have guys that own a $600 fly rod and, you know, they're very, um, they, they fish a lot. They love, they're super passionate about fly fishing then you have somebody brand new to the sport with a $50 fly rod that right. you have those two people fishing together, which I think is awesome, you know? Um, and yeah, just the history of fly fishing at Penn state is just so cool. You know, you have George Harvey that pioneered the fly fishing course, right? which you can take for college credit and I will be taking next semester. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, jealous of that. Yeah. yeah, me too. And, uh, and then you have Joe Humphreys, uh, also world famous fly fisherman greg hoover uh who was just actually stepped down as the um the fly fishing club advisor that is a world famous fly fishing entomologist so you have this wealth of information that it uh right at at your disposal so it's just a fly fisherman's dream and 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 that's one thing that you can go fly fishing you can go out and it gets back to what I was saying about your dad at the very beginning of the podcast. You can go out and fly fish and you can catch fish or you can go out and you can learn entomology and you yep. can expand Absolutely. the fishing experience, you know, like, Hey, today we're going to catch them on blue winged dollars, but are we going to catch them on as a nymph, as a merger, as a dry fly or as a, as a spinner, yep. you know, one fly you can fish four different ways. And that's the parts that's why fly fishing is so near to me. And like I said about your dad, that's the thing that, that he instilled in me. Yeah. My dad taught me how to fly fish. Your dad taught me there's so much more than fly fishing that oh, makes yeah. you either a better fly fisherman or or makes your time spent fly fishing more enjoyable. Definitely. And yeah, the more you learn of that, the better a fly fisherman you're going to be. And right. it's such an enjoyable topic to learn about. Uh, and yeah, like with the, the fly fishing classes... Um, the, the curriculum from my understanding from just word of mouth is a lot of your learning about the ecology of the stream and, and, and things like that. You're not just learning about, uh, casting technique and things like that. So it's really broad curriculum, uh, which is super cool, I think. 
and uh actually now the new instructor for the fly fishing club actually just took the job is george daniel back at so, it again yeah yeah he was involved before with it wasn't he? so he uh he's come up to the club and like spoken to the club and okay. and uh done stuff with the class um but he is like officially gonna be like a penn state from my understanding he'll be like a penn state employee okay that he is uh you know a part-time faculty that's kind of running and coordinating the classes so super cool um really looking forward to it and and he uh historically you know the club and the classes are kind of two separate entities and historically the person that is teaching the class will also be the club advisor okay um that's actually what i was told from joe humphreys uh uh and funny story about joe humphreys i was telling them earlier um i was at at a tailgate before a penn state game a couple of saturdays ago uh kind of close to the stadium and i look over uh there's an older guy kind of a little hunched over i look a little bit closer i see a hat it says penn state fly fishing and I look a little bit closer, and it's Joe Humphreys <laughs> drinking a Bloody Mary at a tailgate. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I went over to him, and we had this, you know, we talked about the club and things like that. We talked about how George was going to be taken over, and he kind of alluded to there's a good good chance that George will be taking over the club, which I would love to see. Yeah, no doubt. Now, is there... Like an open club up there in the evenings or something? Yeah, and, and actually, a uh, cool thing about the way we do our fl- the fly fishing club, and what we do is every Thursday night, uh, 7 to 9 p.m., 504 Ag Science, if anybody's a, in, in the state college area, um, it's open to the community. So you don't have to be um, a student or faculty to come you know, join us on a, on a Thursday night to do an open tie or to come hear one of our talks or something like that it's open to the community you know we the more people in that room the better and they have a facebook page that has yeah that all so uh, we don't have a facebook page we do have an instagram though uh it's penn state penn state fly fishing club it's like a a mayfly um it says like on top of yeah 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 um and yeah, it's you know that's open to everybody on Thursday seven. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure if that was open to everybody or not. I thought yep. about stopping up for that sometime because oh, we're yeah. only forty five minutes here. Absolutely, you know? please do. Yeah. yeah, bring everybody down this way. Heck yeah! <laughs> that's usually Thursday nights is when we and usually yeah. do that. We have yeah. a uh, a kid that just took over as the president of the club, and I'm super excited about it because he's so just like motivated yeah. right now. He's been doing he's been working really hard to add things to the club and. Uh, working with TU and stuff like that. So I'm super excited about that for sure. So the club is growing. Um, like I said, it's just, it's been one of my favorite things at Penn State. So. Is that still behind the gym there in Rec Hall? Or did it no, be? that's actually where the class is though. Okay. It's over at Rec Hall. Gotcha. But the club, we meet um, kind of close to the creamery. It's the Ag Science building. Okay. Every Thursday night, 7 to 9 p.m., uh, room 504. Okay, cool. So stop and get some ice cream afterwards. Yeah, yeah. that's what a lot located. of the guys in the club will always like. You know, after the meeting, we'll go over and we'll get ice cream. <laughs> yeah, the peanut butter milkshake. Thing. You know what they have in there that I really like? What's that? Curds. Oh, yes. those are curds. delicious. Oh man, they're cheese. They're dairy pro. Like mm. any cheese. Oh man, I just love cheese in general. But that's <laughs> a whole. That's trip. A, totally off topic. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to do that. <laughs> that's a topic for a different story. <laughs> Anyhow, this has been a great podcast, very educational, a little off the standard fly fishing, but very relatable with the YouTube and everything, because that's probably how we all got here anyway. So, uh, you know, watching YouTube and how you found out about this. Uh, Great having you guys on. Uh, Thanks for sharing your experiences in the industry. Uh, You want to add anything, Pat? Oh, man. Where can we find you guys on social media? Uh, So we have a Facebook page, Backyard Angling. Uh, also an Instagram, uh, and I believe it's backyard underscore angling underscore. Uh, those are the best ways to reach out to us. Also, you know, comment on our YouTube videos. 
Yeah, that's uh, something we love. We, comments. We like to read all the comments and we respond to all of them. Yeah, that's as long as they're positive. That's something I enjoy too. Yeah, I don't bother with the negative ones. I'm just picking out something stupid. <laughs> you're gonna have haters. Yeah, you're yep, going to absolutely. Yeah, I, I. That's something that has just been picking up with my channel, and I really like and responding to cool comments and stuff like that. So. I've been responding for years, and I just I, I never get nothing. That's because <laughs> you're down the road. I'll just tell you the next time you're here. <laughs> but it was really nice having yeah. you guys. You guys got some great videos. Keep up the good work. Yeah. We appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for, having, thanks for having, us. having us on. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. And uh, don't forget to look us up on your favorite social media apps like Facebook and Instagram. And download us on Stitcher, iTunes. Where else we have, Pat? I forget. We're on a couple of them. If you know, if you listen to it, we're probably on there. Anyhow, and you can also get our app or dump. Sorry, you can also download our podcast from our website, bugsandbeardpodcast.com. So until next week, we'll see you later, and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bugs and Beard Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by WholesingersFlyShop.com. Head on over to the website for all your fly fishing and fly tying needs. Plus, you can also find a link there to the Wholesingers Fly Shop YouTube channel. The channel is full of information with over 250 videos covering fly tying and fly fishing techniques geared towards making your time on the water more enjoyable. From all of us here at the Bugs and Beard Podcast, we hope you'll subscribe to our channel and tune in next week as we discuss the sport we love so well. Until next time, get out there on the water and tight lines.